of God's word. It says, for the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power. Our Father God, as we come before you this morning, uh, Lord, we just simply open ourselves up. Uh, Father, we want to be receptive what it is that you want to say to us today. Uh, Lord, we, we, that's what we desire, speak to us. But not just speak to us, Lord, but transform us. And so we yield, we surrender all that we are and all that we have to you. And Lord, you know what needs to be done today. You know who needs what and where they're at. We just ask, Lord, that you do what only you can do. Fill this place with your spirit. And it's in the name of Christ Jesus we pray. Amen. You'll be seated. Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 1 through, we're actually going to look at verses 1 through 10, but it goes through verses 1 through 14. And as you can see here, this is the first vision uh, since chapter 11. Uh, this passage deals with a sense of hopelessness on the part of Israel and Judah. They are separated uh, because of exile. And they, they really, and that's the, vis the picture of the skeletons there, that's how they feel. That they have been forgotten and that they are dead. But, and when you deal with God, you've got to love that three-letter word. But, because God has other plans. And that's the exciting part when we think about who our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is. Because no matter where you're at in your life, in your circumstances, and you can look around and say, man, it is, it is horrible. If you trust our Lord, but, he's not done with you. He's not giving up. And there is, no thing, there is no such thing as hopelessness when it comes to God in your life. Because he is full of hope. And that's when we say God has other plans. It doesn't matter that Israel had seemed forgotten. Because God had not forgotten them. And that God was going to accomplish his purpose through them by reviving Israel. This passage deals with hope because God is able to do what seems impossible. Now, for us, because we say that Old Testament, New Testament, it doesn't matter, it's relevant for today. We don't just simply say, well, that's history, that's happened thousands of years ago, and it's just a historical incident. No. God's word from Genesis to Revelation, from Genesis 1-1 all the way to the last verse in Revelation, is relevant for us. And this passage is relevant for us. Now let me stop here. And when I say us, I'm talking about God's people. I'm talking about the church. Now we know the world in which we live in. We know that death surrounds us. We know that sin is around us. We get that. But today, this message is for the church, God's people. And that is where we're going to get into today. So, verses 1 and 2. 
it says, The hand of the Lord was upon me and brought me out of the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley, which is full of bones. And he caused me to pass among them round about. And behold, there were many, very many, on the surface of the valley. And lo, they were very dry. What I want you to notice is what does God do? Takes Ezekiel, and, and we don't know if God transported him someplace or if it was just in a vision, but no matter what, here's what we know. There is a valley full of bones. And what did God do to Ezekiel? He didn't place him up, you know, when I think of a valley, I think, okay, mountains on the side of it, there's a valley down through it. That's kind of what I'm picturing. He didn't take Ezekiel and put him up high up on the mountain and say, Ezekiel, why don't you take a look down through there and tell me what you see? He didn't do that. He took Ezekiel and put him where? Right in the middle of the valley. And I can kind of picture Ezekiel as, as God is, has Ezekiel there. He's standing maybe on some bones. That's where he's at. He's right in the middle of it. And then he tells Ezekiel to do something. I want you to inspect him. I want you to look at him. I want you to examine him. I want you to see their condition and what shape they're in. That's what Ezekiel does. He walks around. He's looking at them. And he says, they're not only dry, they're very dry. They've been there for a long time. You know, these just isn't, this just isn't bones that somebody has just passed away. They have been there for a long time. They're dry. There is no such life in them. So how does that affect you and me today? Because when we think about the church, God has not called us to sit high apart from it and take a look at it from afar. He's called us, the church, to look within ourselves, to inspect, to see the condition. And what is the condition of the church today? You may not know. You may be sitting, in a sense, far off and kind of looking from a distance and say, everything's good. That's not the case, my friends. I want you to look at this. 77.5% of Americans consider themselves Christians. However, 80% of American churches have plateaued or declining. That's inspection. Folks, that is the condition of the church. The church today is dry. The church today is a resemblance of the dry bones. Read that on. 195 million Americans are unchurched. 70% of Americans have no meaningful church relationship. America is the fifth largest global mission field. And then North America is the only continent where Christianity is declining. That's the inspection. See, we can't, we can't afford, if we believe, if we believe what our mission is, if we believe that people are dying and going to hell, if we believe people are lost, it is time that we truly look at ourselves as the church and say, what is wrong? What's taking place? 
And we wonder why, we wonder why our country's in the shape that it's in. It is because the church is not being the church. Bottom line. A valley full of dry bones. Ezekiel was called to be right in the middle of it. John Stott said, we should not ask what is wrong with the world. For that diagnosis has already been given. Rather, we should ask, what has happened to the salt and light? That's the question. We know what's wrong with the world, right? We know the shape the world is in. But it's time for the church to ask the church what's wrong or what has happened with the salt and light. Well, that could be left up for debate. Have we gotten comfortable? Have we made Christianity easy? What is wrong? What has happened to the salt and light? Why isn't the church having the effect the church should have? Because we serve a mighty God. We, we know God's desire for people to come to him. What is wrong? And that is the question we need to be asking ourselves. And in a sense, wasn't that what God was doing with Ezekiel when he put Ezekiel right in the middle of that valley? He says, I want you to take a look at them. I want you to inspect them. I want you to see their situation and their circumstance. Verse 3, he says this, He said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, Oh, Lord God, you know. I love that. Because the natural or carnal response would say what? No way. They are dry. They are dry. They, they are fragile. They are, if I step on them, they're breaking. There is no way. That is the carnal response. That is the natural response. However, the faith response is, if it's your will. And I love Ezekiel's response here because Ezekiel says, God, you know. Ezekiel doesn't put parameters on it. God, you know, if you do this or if you do that, no, God, if you want them to live, they're going to live. Folks, that's where we need to be at. We, that's where we need to be at. God, if you want to bring revival, you can bring revival. If you want to bring a spiritual awakening, you can do it. And you do it however you want to do it. That's what Ezekiel, in a sense, is saying. Because he says, from a human perspective, from a natural perspective, there's no way. But guess what? I'm not going to be able to do it, but you can. And that should be our desire today. God, I don't care how you bring revival. I don't care how you bring a spiritual awakening. I know you can do it if you desire. I just want to be a part of it. You do it. And folks, I believe, I truly believe with all my heart and with all my soul as I stand here this morning, if we truly start to pray that way and live that way, God can do it. I think maybe he's just waiting on us. Maybe. Them bones are going to live. What's it going to take? The power of God. If revival is going to come, a spiritual awakening is going to take place. It's not going to be with programs. It's not going to be with anything other than the power of God. Using what we could give God, but it's going to take him. And the church is going to come alive and rise. That's what it's going to take.
And that should be our prayer. That, guys, when we think about our prayer list and what you're praying for, that should maybe be number one on your prayer list. Is God bring revival. Bring revival. Bring spiritual awakening in our land, in our church, in our family, in my son, my daughter, my wife, my husband, whoever. Bring it, Lord. Just maybe, if God's will, he can do it. Verses 4 through 10. Here's what he says. And he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you that you may come to life. I will put sinews on you, make flesh grow back on you, cover you with skin and put breath in you that you may come alive and you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and I prophesied and there was a noise and a behold, a rattling and bones coming together, bone to its bone and I love that. If you kind of picture yourself there in the midst of these valleys, this dry bones, multitudes, multitudes of bones and he's standing there and all of a sudden he hears this rattling taking place and he sees these bones connecting. And it wasn't a, a misplaced bone. It wasn't a bone that should have been here or here. They were connecting to where they need to be connected. Isn't it like the church? When God says, I, we are the body of Christ, the body of Christ and now I'm paraphrasing, he says, I, you know, I've got an ear, I've got fingers. It's connecting to where it should be. Anyways, I just, I, to me it's just a great picture. Anyways, he says in verse 7, so I prophesied as I was commanded, and I, as I prophesied, there was bones. In verse 8, he says, and I looked, and behold, sheenews were on them, and flesh grew, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. In verse 9, he says, and she said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may come to life. So I prophesied, and as he commanded me, and breath came to them, and they came to life and stood on their feet an exceedingly great army. What's the four things? Where it stops at? Prayer. Jesus gave that example to us, right? You say, well, but prayer's not mentioned. What's taking place here? Ezekiel is communicating with God. God is communicating with Ezekiel. That is prayer, my friends. And if we want to know what God would have us to do, you better be doing this. I don't care what else you're doing. If you are neglecting this, if this is not number one in your life and you're not making it a priority of communicating and talking with God, you're missing the boat. Ezekiel was praying. Prayer is vital. It is essential if we want God to do what only God can do. And what did Jesus say? I can only do what, what? I see the Father do. Right? And Ezekiel could not do unless God told him what to do. Prayer. Yeah, if we want God, if we, if we desire God to do what only God can do, we've got to make prayer number one. Number two, obedience. Because what did God tell him? Do prayer, okay? He says, 
I mean, I'm just, I'm just, this is what the scripture says. He says, son of man, here's what I want you to say. And what did he do? He did exactly what God told him to do. So we pray, and we pray, and we, we want to hear from our Lord, and we say, Lord, we, we desire for revival to take place. We want spiritual awakening to take place. We know it can happen. And God communicates to us what he wants us to do. Guess what we better do? We better do what he wants us to do. I mean, it's that, guys, it's like the gospel. It is so simple, it's confusing sometimes. We make it harder than what it is, and it is no different today. We want revival, correct? We want spiritual awakening, correct? Then let's pray, let's ask God. God will show us, he'll tell us, and let's just do it. And we'll leave the results up to him. It's obedience. Obedience doesn't mean I do everything. It means I just do what God wants me to do. What I know to do. And I leave the results up to him. Because I want to tell you, Ezekiel did not bring these bones to life. He didn't do it. God used him, but he didn't do it. God did it. And God will do it again. He's going to do it again. I believe it. Third thing. Proclaiming the gospel. You say, well, I don't know what to say. That's all you need to say. Jesus Christ died. He shed his blood. He is the only way of salvation. There is no other access to God other than him. You want to know what to say to people and communicate to them? Communicate them the power of God, and that is through the blood of Jesus Christ. Share Jesus. Share Jesus, because Jesus can transform lives. That's why I read, that's why we read that, that passage in 1 Corinthians, is that God does not, the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power. You know what Ezekiel didn't do? Because this is where we're at today, guys, okay? In, in, especially in America. But this is where we're at. You can do it. Get up. Come on. Have, have confidence in yourself. Pick yourself up by the, by the bootstraps. And I'm not saying, I'm not telling you that you don't encourage other people and you don't encourage yourself. But I want to tell you something. We can't do it. It's God's word. Am I really helping somebody if I look at them and say, you can do it? Or am I helping them saying, listen, you can't do it, but Christ can do it through you. Because the Bible is very clear. I can do what? All things through Christ. I can do all things through Christ. Not in my strength, not in my power, not in others, but through Christ. The gospel is the thing that changes lives. God's word is what? Sharper than a that's right. Not self-motivation, not philosophy, God's word. Ezekiel communicated what God told him to say. And if the church wants revival, if the church wants revival, if we want to see people come to Christ, we've got to communicate Christ. Listen, you can make people feel guilty. That doesn't save them. 
You can make people feel good about themselves. That doesn't save them. It's the power of God through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. He is the one we lift up. To proclaim the gospel. Then the fourth thing, the Holy Spirit of God. If you notice in this passage, bones came together. Skin was on them. The organs, everything was back in place. But what were they still missing? Spirit of God. You know, we can we can look the part, but if the Spirit of God's not moving, what's happening? Nothing. Nothing. The Spirit of God's not moving. The Spirit of God is not breathing life. Nothing's happening. Prayer, obedience, proclaiming the gospel, and inviting, desiring for the Spirit of God to breathe life. That's the four things. And just as those four things brought these dead bones back to life, these four things, and it's it's not a, a system, it's just, that's what it is, can take place today and bring revival can take place and bring spiritual awakening. And it may not be global. I don't know what God wants. If God wants to do that, he can do that, right? And he can start it right here, right? Do we truly believe that? Well, I do, and I hope you do. I'm not putting perimeters on God. I'm not putting boundaries on God. God can do what he wants to do. Only he knows. I just want to be alone for the ride. I do. Just like Ezekiel here. Can you imagine? Can you imagine Ezekiel when God brings him to that place in that valley of dry bones and he's standing there and all of a sudden the bones start to come together and the flesh starts to come together and the Spirit of God breathes life into them and that army rises as one. Can you imagine? And Ezekiel, Ezekiel was part of it. He's part of it. Guys, that's what we're called to do. We're part of the kingdom of God. And we get to be a part of it. I go back to the very beginning. God didn't put Ezekiel high on the mountain and say, oh, great, Ezekiel, what do you see down there? Well, I see a lot of dry bones down there. You're right, so you just sit back and watch what I'm going to do. No way. He put him right in the middle of it. Guys, that's why we're here. He wants us to be involved. As a matter of fact, he wants, us, he wants to use us. Oh, my goodness. Only God can take a scene of death and make it a scene of life. Only God can do that. And that's what we want. You know what? Before I became a believer, back at the age of 18, I was a dead man walking. He brought life into me. Only he can transform death into life. The bones came alive. And what rose? A nice bunch of people? A great army arose. 
That just tells you the magnitude of how many bones was there. But they arose as one, a mighty force for what? For who? For God. Isn't it time, my dear friends, isn't it time, brothers and sisters in Christ, that the church becomes a mighty force for God once again? It is time. It's not going to happen unless the power of God moves in us and through us. It's time for the church to come alive as one. I've heard Samantha say, one Unity, not you doing your thing, you're doing your thing, I'm doing my thing, as one. Just as who? Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit are what? One. We are to be one with him, and we are to rise as a mighty force, as one for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Why is that? Because we are called to display the power of God. That's what we're called to do. Bringing him glory. Because who got the glory when those bones came to life? They didn't look at Ezekiel and say, Oh, Ezekiel, thank you for doing that for me. No way. It was God. And if we rise as one, as a mighty force for, the, for, for our Lord and Savior, he gets the glory. And he does not share his glory with nobody. He's a jealous God. And that's right. he deserves to be a jealous God. Let us, let us display to the world just the God that we serve. Yes, we serve. Yes, we serve a loving God. Yes, but we serve a God who paid the ultimate price by laying down his life. Who laid down his life for us. It is time in this world in which we live to become a mighty force for God once again. Again, this is not about flesh and blood about principalities, powers, the spirits fighting against Satan. That's what it's about. Come alive and rise. I've heard that word normal so much, I'm sick of it. And I'll be honest with you, I don't want to go back to normal. The church does not need to go back to normal. The church needs renewal. That's what the church needs. What has, what has normal accomplished for the church today? Uh, go back and read the statistics, right? 80% have no meaningful church relationship. They're not involved, yet 77, almost 78% people say they're Christians. Tell me, please, please, tell me how you can be a, and I wish I put it on here, how you can be on fire for Jesus, but yet cold toward the church. You can't. You can't, because the church is the bride of Christ. You can't. Somebody tells me they're on fire for Jesus, and yet at the same time they have nothing to do with the, the local body of Christ that, that God wants them to be involved in. Uh, I'm going to say you're not on fire for Christ. Now that, I, am I to judge that? That could be my opinion, but I don't know how you can do it. That'd be like me saying to you, man, I'm on fire for my Lord and Savior. Where do you go to church? Oh, I don't go to church. Huh? How in the world can you invite people to church if you don't go to church? 
house. Hey, come and, and come and be a part of us at Kingsway. Well, do you go there? Well, not really. How? You can't. Kind of like oil and water. Doesn't mix. You say you're on fire for Jesus, you better be on fire at your local body where you serve at. What are you doing? What are you doing? We need renewal, not normal. We don't need normal. We need to come alive and rise as one because God is still looking today with whom he can do the impossible. He's still looking. Who will raise their hand this morning and say, I'm here, Lord. Who will raise their hand and say, me? I see some hands going up. If you're a believer in Christ, that should be you. That should be the church, right? The church should rise as one and say, okay, Lord, if you want to do the impossible with me, have at it. If you want to put me in the middle of a valley of dry bones, have at it. If you want me to go to the hardest place, have at it, Lord, whatever you want. Whatever you want. Because I want to tell you, when we came to Christ, we surrender our will. You don't come to Christ on your terms. You come to Christ. I came to Christ on his terms. And guess what? I follow him, not on my terms, but on his terms. I, that's what we do. And when you became a believer, that's what you signed up for. You signed up to follow on his terms. And if he says go, you go. You do it. And we wonder why the church today is plateauing and declining. Because we have, a, and this, I know it sounds hard, but we have a lot of people who are following Christ on their terms. That's not what God wants. He's still looking. Just maybe the impossible will start today. Just maybe. Only God knows. Why do we need to do it? Three of those numbers, guys. 366 million people, 350 languages, 14 plus religions in North America, 275 million lost. Don't tell me this morning, do not tell me this morning that Jesus does not need for us to rise up as a mighty force for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ because look at that number. And it may be somebody in your family it may be a friend. It may be a co-worker. 275 million are estimated to be lost that if they was to die tonight, do you know where they're going? Eternity in hell. It's time, isn't it? it is, and, and again, I love this because it is, a, it is a message of hope. You say, well, how in the world is this hope? How is it? Because when he brought those dry bones alive, he was telling to Israel, you think I've forgotten about you. You think there's no hope, but I can bring life. That my friends, today, you may look at our country and say, there's no hope. You may look at the church and say, there's no hope. I want to tell you, there is hope because we serve him. There's hope. It doesn't matter. Did you say, here, Lord, here I am. This morning.
you rise for our Lord. Rise and come, it says, here I am. Have your way. Let him do what he wants to do in you and through you. And then just leave it as God says to him. But when we do that, anything can happen. We are in Houston a couple of us. We're recording videos of testimony. Very simple. What does Jesus mean to you? And what does Kingsway mean to you? Now, I know we haven't talked on a lot. There's a sign-up sheet out there. I've got it set up in the back. Three minutes, three or four minutes. You say, well, what's the significance of that? I want to tell you what the significance of that is. Because you take that video of what Jesus means to you. What does Kingsway mean to you? And you put that on our webpage, and you put that on YouTube. I want to, listen, you think this is crazy, but change the world, Kingsway. That's our mindset. Change the world. Do you know it is possible if somebody in Belize, somebody in Russia, could actually come across that? God brings that connection together, and they hear a testimony of what Jesus means to you, and Jesus uses that to lead them to Christ? Do you know that is possible? We don't set the boundaries on what God wants to do. We just say, God, here it is. Take it and use it for what you want. So if you've not signed up for those two questions, sign up. And let's just see what God will do. Let, let's, let, let's put, God, here it is. Use it. Do you need to come this morning and say, Lord, I've been dry. I've been dry. I, I've been, Lord, I'm not on fire. I'm on fire for you, but I just haven't been on fire for the church. Why don't you come today saying, Lord, put me on fire for Kingsway Baptist Church once again. Whatever you need to do, God, God's word has spoken. It's just a matter of what will you do with it. He's not going to make you. But he is inviting you to come this morning. We join with you in prayer. Our Father God, as we come before you, we, we, we come to you, Lord, crying out to you because we need you. We desperately need you in this time. Lord, I think if I was to ask the question this morning, do we believe that you're going to return? Everybody here, I think, would say yes. And that we don't know when. We don't. Nobody does. But if we truly believe that, we have Lord, we have to rise as a mighty warrior. So, Father, I pray today that your, your word has spoken, so you do what you want to do. You know the needs that you, there may be someone here who's lost. There may be someone here today that has gotten away from you, Lord. They're, they're, just, they're not on fire for you this morning. They're not. And they would be honest in saying that. Father, please breathe life into them once again that they may be on fire for you. Whatever you want, whatever you want, Lord, we're here. Have your way. And it's in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who shed that 
crimson blood that he might make us white as snow. Someone today might need that blood to cover them. It's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen.